welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. From this verse, uh, I want to launch this subject today that we're going to title, Come Out of Your Grave. Come out of your grave. Look at somebody next to you before you're seated and tell them, it's time to come out of your grave. One more time, clap your hands to the Lord. Give him some praise. And you can be seated. Everything else in creation came into existence by God speaking. Man was formed, but came to life by God breathing. God decreed his intent to make man in his image, and then he formed his body, but breathed literal life into the form. And man was not given a soul. Man became a soul, a living soul. The Stone edition of the Kumash states that God made man out of both lower, earthly, and upper, heavenly matter. His body from the dust and his soul from the spirit. In the words of the Zohar, one who blows, blows from within himself. Indicating that man's soul is part of God's essence, as it were. This made man a living being, a speaking spirit. As Adam and Eve were originally created, their natural impulse was to do good. Although they knew in some abstract way that there was such a thing as sin, it was nothing that they craved. But by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... They brought evil into themselves. They brought evil into themselves. It gives a whole new meaning to the the, the, uh, statement, you are what you eat. Once they ate from the tree, they changed the nature of mankind. From then on, man, human beings, were born with evil impulses, such as greed, selfishness, and lust for whatever suits his developing appetite. The soul, the life force of man, was corrupted and condemned to death. A spiritual death where our life force has no more spiritual connection to our life source. And although we are existing, we are not living. The soul, the nephesh, as the Hebrew language defines, is directly connected to our throat. Our throat is our nephesh. Through our throat, our spiritual condition is revealed. 
Our throat, our nephesh is connected to our spirit. So after the fall, our nephesh is existing but not living. We are physically alive, but we are spiritually dead. Our body is basically a tomb for our dead spirit man. Matthew 23, 25 through 27, Jesus says these words, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make the outside of the cup and of the platter clean, but within they are full of extortion and excess. You blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Jesus was revealing that the condition of the Pharisees' nephesh, soul, was equal to that of an unclean tomb. This is the result of religious piety that fails to fix the issue when we try to be religious in our fallen state. But we cannot cleanse and resurrect ourselves. That's why we need Jesus. That's the reason why Jesus came. That's the reason why Jesus died and why he rose again. All of that happened was because we can't fix ourselves on our own. We need supernatural, spiritual help. We get greater insight in Psalm 5 verse 9 where David is, is declaring this statement. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Paul echoes this in Romans 3, starting at verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Our life force is connected to our throat. And in our fallen state, our throat is like an open and unsealed grave where death and decay are free to flow out. Proverbs 8.21 tells us, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our tongue communicates the condition of our soul. Therefore, we can utter the language of death or the language of life. In our fallen condition, we are predisposed to speak death. We do it naturally because our nature was changed when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, all who are born into this world naturally are predisposed to communicate our greed, lust, anger, hatred, 
pride, selfishness, and we build ourselves up by tearing others down. We're divisive and derogatory, looking to gain the whole world, all while being ignorant of our soul. Existing in this body, we carry around an unsealed tomb that releases the results of death everywhere we go. I'm sure all of us know somebody at some point in our life that every time they opened their mouth, it was toxic. Why? Because all of us, without Jesus, our throat is like an open, unsealed tomb where the effects of death and decay are free to spew out wherever we go. Existing in this body, we just carry around in us an unsealed tomb that results in the release of death everywhere we go. However, even though all of us have that potential, all of us were born that way. <laughs> there is something in us at some point in our life that asks the question and has a faint understanding there, there's more. There has to be more. There has to be something besides this. And David reveals this many times in his Psalms. Psalms 42, 1 through 2. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? David is saying that his nephesh, his soul, that life force in him is so weak and lacking true life that he is equating it to a parched throat. Just like we get thirsty for water, David says, my soul is thirsty for you, God. He goes on to say in Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My nephesh, my life force desires you in such a way I can only describe it as thirsty. My flesh longs for thee like I'm in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. He is describing his spiritual condition and this spiritual atmosphere like it is in desperate need of water. So he says, my soul is thirsty to see thy power and thy glory so as I've seen in your sanctuary. We find that true connection to God is likened to the effects that pure water has on our throat. Nothing can quench your thirst like pure water. And nothing can quench our parched soul that David describes as his throat like God. The effects of that pure water that it has on our throat and the rejuvenation that it brings to our body. He's, he's describing that like that is my desperate need 
for God. We find that without God, our soul is spiritually dehydrated to the point of death. Because when you go long enough without water, you will die. And you go long enough without that connection to God, you die. If scripture describes the effects of our need for God by our throat time and time again, then when God meets that spiritual need finally, it will impact our throat. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This description of desire once again impacts the throat. We eat and drink naturally. And it goes through the throat and fills the belly. The same is in the spiritual. Jesus said in John 7, starting at verse 37, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. What David had desperately desired, what David had desperately sung about, prayed about, and cried out to God about, was about to be available to anyone that believes from any nation, any background, any social class, anyone that desired, anyone that believed would have the ability to come and drink. The ones who are spiritually thirsty can come and drink and be so filled with this water of life that it will flow out of you. It's not just a little sip. It's not an eight ounce glass a week to get you just through your trial, but it is such an overflowing out pouring filling of this water of life that it will fill you but it will fill you in such a way that it will begin to manifest itself outside of your inner man and in your life And I don't know what you expect when you come to church. And I don't know what you expect as what is considered normal as being a true biblical book of Acts Christian. But all I find in scripture is if they were a believer, they lived a life full of the Holy Ghost. There was no religion and ritual that would satisfy. There were not just a set of things that they went through and said we had good church. No, the one clue, no matter who it was, was they were full of the Holy Ghost. 
And I'll just be honest, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, it shows. And when you're not full of the Holy Ghost, it shows. Nobody's fooling anybody because what happens on the inside is revealed on the outside. If your inside is a grave, it shows. But if your outside, if your inside has been transformed by the Spirit of God, it also shows. So yes, it must start on the inside. But if it really took place on the inside, it will show on the outside in every area of your life. Now I was thinking about this uh, passage that Jesus is uh, recorded saying in John 7. And Jesus was notorious for speaking in parables but also just enough above the people's heads that the ones who were not spiritually hungry would miss it. Some of you missed it, but it's okay. I'll say it again. <laughs> you proved my point. No, um, Jesus would say it in such a way that if you were not spiritually discerning things, if you were just listening to what he was saying at face value and being like, nah, What's he talking about, you know, a camel in the eye of a needle? like that, Especially for us today. You'd miss it. When he says, it's really hard for a rich man to get into heaven, we'd be like, oh, well, then the people of God have to be poor. No. <laughs> Dig a little deeper. And, and so Jesus here is saying, he stands up on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. It's recorded in John 7, and he lifts up his voice. Now, just imagine Jesus standing up and there's, you know, we're all just seated around this area celebrating this feast and he just looks at people and says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. I mean, what does that mean? You're a human. We drink from cups. <laughs> well, what? So obviously, Jesus is not speaking literally in that instant. And when he says, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water, doesn't mean that the belly button's going to pop open and a spout of water is going to shoot forth. It's weird. And that's not what that means. So we have to follow the pattern, and we have to see what is taking place here. And, and for the illustration, it's good to drink water. Uh, you need, what, like 80 ounces a day on average or something like that? They're about, if you're doing 80, you're probably doing pretty good. I don't do good at hitting 80 a day. Definitely under a little bit, but you need water to live. Now, if I was to get a couple gallons of water, say three or four gallons of water, and I just pick them up, and I drain one gallon, I drain another gallon, I drain another gallon, I don't think I'm getting to the third gallon, and I'm talking about one right after the other. I, I, I would say somewhere in gallon number two, my stomach's going to say, that's enough. And it's going to start overflowing 
literally out of me. Picture that. But my stomach is not going to explode and water literally gush forth from my belly. It's going to come up and out and it will come out of my mouth. The evidence that I am literally overflowing with water. So I had to break down what Jesus said so we can truly understand what's being said. It is the same in the spirit that when we are drinking of this water of life, it's not going to be just a sip, but the evidence of this water of life in our life is going to fill us in such a way that it's going to go down deep inside of us, yes. But Jesus is interested in baptizing us with the infilling of his spirit in such a way that it will fill us up to the brim and flow out of us. We read another example in John 4, verse 7. There comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, asks uh, me to drink, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to thee, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. The woman says to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. This water, this living water, Jesus is talking about the Holy Ghost. What we're thirsty for is not found in anything that this world has to offer. What our soul desires to quench our spiritual thirst is only found in Jesus. For through his spirit, he provides that living water that will satisfy this parched throat and fill the emptiness inside. What was dead will live. What you've been praying for, seeking for, like David, it's nothing is going to happen. The fulfillment is not going to take place. The answer is not going to come until our soul longs for Jesus. Because our soul is our very life force. We do not have souls. We are souls. And so until our soul longs for him, we will always be 
in our condition. Acts 2, 1, 4, we read, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the first evidence that the grave is now a garden. What was an open, unsealed tomb in people's life is now a life-giving well of living water. For the throat only uttered death, but now through the Holy Spirit we can utter life. Because of the miracle of the infilling of the Spirit of God and the initial evidence by speaking in other tongues, the grave of our soul has now been transformed into a spiritual garden that can now bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. But no garden can grow in a grave. And so the first sign that the tomb, the grave, has now been resurrected into a life-giving garden is if your throat is identified in your fallen state as an open sepulcher, then there has to be a clue that comes forth from the throat that something has changed on the inside. And what was a grave is now a life-giving garden. So we first need the living water to flow on us. It fills the house and then it sets on us. But then it needs to fill us and move through us to sanctify us and set alive our soul. Because just like man's throat in Genesis 2 was touched and then he became a living soul. We need that touch again now to be made spiritually alive. The first time the Holy Ghost will help you utter those spiritual words of life because it is the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost alone that can make you alive. If the Spirit is not active in your life, it doesn't matter if you sit on this pew every Sunday. If the Spirit is not resurrecting that tomb inside of you, there is nothing that will happen by you showing up here and going through the motions. Remember, if you're dead on the inside, it shows. And if you're alive on the inside, it shows. And the thing that makes the difference is Jesus, the Spirit of God, that well of living water. But it can't get in you, and it can't get in me if we don't drink. So today, whether you've been here a while or you're new to this thing, it's time to come out of the grave. Some of us have been resurrected a long time ago, but through life, the well dried up, and we walked back into that tomb but the same one who resurrected you once can do it again his name is Jesus and he is the resurrection and the life and it's time to fill yourself
yourself with that water of life for you can drink of it freely daily consistently constantly because that is actually the will of God for we see time and time again after Acts 2 that they put this little description in many times for the deacons in Acts 6 for the apostles in Acts 3, 4, 5, for just new believers, for disciples that they didn't really give their names, they just said disciples, all of them had one thing in common. They were full of the Holy Ghost. It says the disciples, they were full of the Holy Ghost. Peter standing up, full of the Holy Ghost. Stephen was ordained by God and, and confirmed by the apostles. And what was one of the requirements? He had to be full of the Holy Ghost. Not in experience, but he had this water of life freely flowing out of him. That means no matter what level you are in the church, no matter what description describes you right now, we're all supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And Paul, and he's talking in Corinthians, he makes a statement. He says, I speak in tongues more than you all. Now, we're not going to just break down everything that's being covered there. The one statement he's making is, I go back. Because he says, when I'm praying in tongues, my spirit prayeth. It's my inner man. What's happening? I want to make sure that my soul, my inner man, doesn't have a chance to die again. That's why I need constantly this connection to the water of life. So, how do we stop this? Drink daily. Pray daily. Pray daily until that water of life flows out of you again. Now, we don't have a lot of guests here today. I don't think we have any guests, so that's fine. So we're not talking about a first-time experience. We're talking about a continual walk. It is important for every child of God to pray in the Spirit consistently. Consistently. Some people call it, you need to pray through. Yeah, you do. You need to pray through the flesh, the carnality. You need to pray through that tombstone that's got you locked up. You got to break through all of that. And because a river that's stopped up, it's got to push past the opposition. So that's what praying through means. But there has to be this surrender 
Because when you're thirsty, you're not fighting the glass of water. The water's brought to your lips and you're like, I will not drink this. So thirsty, but. There's got to be this, first and foremost, this spiritual desperation and openness to God all the time. Because when you learn to flow in it, it gets easier and easier. Something that's foreign to us makes us uncomfortable. It's harder to walk in it. But this living in this spirit-led life, we must learn to dwell in this place because it is our only hope. Because as we move further into these end times, we face more opposition and more challenges and all of that. We may have to go to underground church one day. We can't meet consistently every Sunday like this. You being able to go and drink of the water of life freely, daily, on your own is what's going to cause you endure to overcome so today if we could stand I, I'm just going to be honest I, I'm looking forward to the day where we have that large harvest of people and we're working towards all of that but I've said it before and I'm going to keep saying it because we're in it we are in a very pivotal season of God preparing all of us. And just because we need prepared doesn't make us bad, okay? I don't know if I need to clarify that or not. We all need prepared. I need prepared. You need prepared. That's a good thing because I want to be as ready as God wants me to be to do what he's called me to do. And in this pivotal season, God is unifying us. God is obviously drawing key people in this season. And in this season of revival, we are being prepared to be as effective as possible to go out and reach people. And the more ready we are, the easier God can flow through us. There's no fear in talking to people. There's no hesitancy in praying for people out in the open. There's no... Uh, well, you know, there's this, there's this very strong sensitivity to the Spirit of God. Any person here in this room today, because that's how the book of Acts describes all believers, no matter what their title was. If they're full of the Holy Ghost, you have the potential for anything Jesus did to operate through you. But first and foremost, above all else, we have to be full of of the Holy Ghost. So God is trying to speak to all of us in this season to embrace prayer like we never have before. Like go to a level in prayer that we never have 
before. Go to a level of walking in the Spirit like we never have before. And the first step is I want to live in this well of living water. I don't want to visit it on Sunday, but I want to access it on Monday at 5 a.m. in the morning before I go to work or when I get home at night or when I'm sitting in my office discouraged by the stress of my job, I very quietly under my breath lift my voice and I can pray in the Holy Ghost at my job. I've done it. I'm sure some of you have done it. You can do it. Access that well because it is the one and only thing that can turn this open sepulcher, this grave of this inner man into a garden that can bear spiritual fruit. And so today, I feel in my spirit, God is wanting to revive the spirit man of many of us today. All of us, all of us need it. And so if anything I've said to you today has resonated in your spirit, would you come to this front and you and Jesus right there, just like the woman at the well, just you and Jesus, would you begin to pray and pray and let the Spirit of God begin to minister to you and flow out of you and be filled with the Holy Ghost all over again. Come out of the grave of discouragement, the grave of fear, the grave of carnality, the grave of a worldly mindset, the grave of bitterness, whatever it may be, the answer is still the same, Jesus. Don't be hesitant in your reaching for him, but with a David-like mindset in desperation, cry out to him, Jesus, I want to come out of this grave. I want to be resurrected. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, not just touched by the Holy Ghost, but filled with the Holy Ghost. Would you lift your voice to the Lord? Sorabat.